and girls children of all ages welcome to the conspiracy castle i am your conspiracy asshole primetime 99 alex sign and we have a very special guest that's right the one the only the occult based mom herself fresh off her appearance on the one the only tucker carlson welcome to diet tucker carlson uh rachel how are you doing this evening i'm great how are you i'm doing better now that you're on the show and uh, like I said, we're going to pull up your clip. We're going to talk about it. But so, Rachel, a little bit about yourself. You know, I obviously found you through Andrew. So let's talk about how we know each other. So tell me, what is it? How does Andrew get into all those debates? Like, are you a debate nut? Do you guys debate each other? Or does that is that strictly an Internet thing? No, like our first date, we were up until two in the morning arguing about politics. So it's been that way from the very beginning. <laughs> no, shut up. Y'all's first yeah. date, y'all were moaning about politics. Shut up. Well, because I was the first girl he had dated who like knew enough to kind of like, you know, go rounds with him, which he thought was like fascinating. He, you know, usually he's like, oh, I would ask somebody like, you know, what the secretary of state's name is. And they'd be like, I don't know. You know, um, so the fact that I knew anything and could kind of go back and forth with him. Um, I mean, we're both right leaning, so we didn't have too much disagreement. But, you know, like a little bit, we went back and forth and we're both kind of conspiracy nuts, too. So we went back and forth about some of that. So we we're just up all night talking. So it's wow. been like, wow, love at first sight, love at first conspiracy. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and I and like I'm joking about that, but I'm actually kind of jealous because, listen, Rachel, dating this day and age is almost impossible. Um, I know. It's a nightmare. I mean, even the dating apps and you meet the girls and some girls are cool. But and, and, and my conspiracy buds get mad at me is because I almost rather date a girl that I'm saying, Rachel, you almost wouldn't be my type because I almost don't want to compete over conspiracy <laughs> stuff with a girl. I almost want a girl that's not awake to all the terror in the world, um, you know, that has a little cognitive dissonance. Because if you really like like, you know, this as a mom, you're not letting your kids go to public school. If you let the system have your family, or your kids, it will eat you up and spit you out. Yeah, totally. So I understand I, that sentiment, too, because I, I mean, Andy and I are one of the I don't think we really know any other couples like us. And even in the beginning, it was like we were either going to be the best couple ever or it was going to be terrible because 
we're so similar and we're both like really competitive and we both love debating. So it was like some of our early arguments, like they could get a, a little Rachel, crazy. no way. I know. I know you're, I don't even want to think about Joe's freaky arguments. I know. And Andrew's all dug in and I'm, you're dug in. Oh my gosh. See, that's yeah. another thing is, is I like to go on these debate channels, but also I don't really, I love to debate all day long. But I'm also, it's not personal. Like, even though sometimes yeah. I, I get mad because of the debater, because I, I guess you play to your opponent or you debate to your opponent. But I say, even Andrew can admit some of these people, not yourself, they take this debating way too seriously. Like, it gets nuts. Why is that, Rachel? Well, I mean, it's it's because it it's your worldview. You know what I mean? And if somebody is trashing your whole worldview or your whole view of reality, it's, like, very insulting. But the funny thing is the worst fight we've ever had like the worst debate type of fight we've ever gotten into that like we didn't talk for two days was a debate over which whether megadeth or metallica was the better metal band like that was our metallica right i mean megadeth Megadeth. well i'm just saying okay but listen though metallica's okay this is why i would argue on andrew's side there's metal even though megadeth was the pre previous to metallica like didn't they they kind of copied megadeth Metallica was the biggest and the baddest. Like, I know, I know that, I guess that's kind of cheating, but I'm saying like, you know, just because they were their predecessor, what Metallica did in James Hetfield, I mean, he's really incredibly talented artist. Well, we both like both bands. So it's only like, it's weird that we were so contentious about it because I only like Megadeth a little bit better. He only likes Metallica a little bit better. But the points we disagreed on, we were just like, and we both play guitar. So I was like, no. It's Why this. is Megadeth more talented than James Hetfield? I don't even know all the band, but I mean, I would say he's one of the best guitarists ever, right? I mean, you know, when it comes to talent, maybe not one of the best guitarists. You mean Kurt Hammett? It's Kurt Hammett, yeah. Hetfield I don't know all the. Singer. He's yeah, a singer, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So plays, I, I've like, seen him live. I just don't he know plays all the guitar, but he's not the head guitarist. I just I like Dave Mustaine better, and I like that Megadeth was never as corporate. You know what I mean? They didn't sell out as much, and they're pretty red pilled too. And Metallica's a little bit more woke. Are they, I mean? is, yeah. are they woke? I mean, you know, they, a little they mean, bit. not like a ton, but a little bit. They, you know, they do more like liberal charity type of things. And I mean, Megadeth's album Dystopia was like a very red pilled metal album. And it was awesome. And the older they get, the better they get. So like that was my argument. And Andy's like, you cannot deny the black album. You can't deny Injustice for All. Like you can't. You cannot deny early Metallica. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Garage Inc. and uh, St. Anger and some of the other crummier albums. So it was like a whole thing. We just, we were up all night arguing about it and yelling at each other. And like all our friends know about the legendary. I can't, I just, that just blows my mind that that was like (laughs) the, that's the thing. Okay, here, let me show everybody so so they can see. This is James Hetfield's, uh, this is what he really wears. So. What does this say, uh, Rachel? That's this, what I'm saying. I mean, is this is this is this very megadethy as it gets? I mean, this is what he's. Uh, that is some that is some dad dad stuff going on right there. That's like some yuppie dadness. And I think I brought up this photo in the debate that we had with each other because I was like, Dave Mustaine's never cut his hair. And, you know, but Andy, Andy had good arguments. That's why it was such a contentious thing, because Andy had good arguments, too. I mean, Metallica is a pretty undeniable, legendary metal band. I just think Megadeth has the edge. So. 
Okay, well, I don't want to compete. I don't want to get started arguing with you. That's uh, that's something I'm definitely going to lose. Okay, now let's check out the Tucker Carlson clip. Let me make it so you guys can fit in here a little bit. I got it kind of zoomed out to show you. I don't want to cut you off. Okay, and this, so tell me about how did they even find you? Tell us about how in the world did you even get yeah. on Tucker? Uh, you know, I know I know you told me the story, but, but so the audience, uh, they don't know. Well, it's because I'm a federal agent and I have, you know, ins with Fox News and they're they're propping False. Me up. that's not true. They're propping me up as an agent of the state. No, I'm just kidding. That's it's, not it. Um, I wrote an article for Gab for their news blog about homeschooling and the pandemic because we've seen like a fourfold increase, which I'll I'll say in the little clip here. Um, and it did really well. It was really, really popular. And one of the producers from Tucker saw it and just contacted me. And I totally thought it was a troll because they, they sent me a message on like every social media platform this, the booker did. And I was like, pardon my skepticism, but do you have like an, uh, a LinkedIn or like something where I can see that you're not just messing with me? And they were like, Oh yeah, yeah. And then I talked to them on the phone and I was like, okay, I think this is like legit. So we did it. That's epic. Okay, here, let's hear it. Let's watch it for the people at home. Let's. So parents are voting at their school boards, pulling their children out of public schools. and They're doing it for a reason. They don't want their kids to be indoctrinated by crazy people. Rachel Wilson is a homeschooling advocate who lives in the rural Midwest. She understands what's happening and the scale of it. She joins us tonight. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on. So how big has homeschooling become in the face of the collapse of public education? Thank you so much for having me on, Tucker. Um, Look at that. Okay, so so how did you know? Did you? Did you? Kind of, I know, but did you kind of rehearse what you're going to say? Were you like, I'm going to say thank you at first, or like, do they give you the pre questions? How does it work? Uh, no, um, they did ask me to just like email a quick list of my talking points. Just like I knew this was only going to be about four minutes. It ended up being like three and a half because the show was a little behind that night. They were like, just email us a couple talking points so we can have like graphics and and things ready. And Tucker knows what you're going to kind of what you're going to say. No, I just, they put the earpiece in and it's weird because you can hear people talking and you're never quite sure if they're talking to you. So like at the very end- And where end, are you? Wait, tell us, where did you film it? Where did you go to like a location, a van? I was in a, a local TV studio. So they send you to like a, a nearby city local TV studio and they have like the, this, the biggest green screen I've ever seen. It goes like from the floor and covers the whole floor and goes all the way up this huge ceiling. And then they've got giant stadium lights on you. And the makeup lady just like was going wild, like just powder and no, nah, she was going crazy. Did you tell her to calm down, or she didn't? She didn't care. She's gonna go crazy. Well, I mean, they're looking at me in the camera, and they're looking at what I look like under the light. So I was like, hey, you know, I can't see myself, so just do whatever. And she just, she was just going nuts. But I've never had that much stuff on my face in my life. But it was fine. And uh, at the very end, the producers in my ear—you have like a little earpiece in. Uh, and they started going rap, rap, rap. And at to first Tucker. I wasn't. They're yelling to Tucker though, right? Well, I they... thought that they were yelling at him, but then I was like, oh, wait, they're talking to me. Oh. So you kind of hear me at the very end kind of be like, uh, and, um, and then I like quick tried to finish what I was saying. But the first thing that came to my crazy brain was like, quick, think of an Eminem song or something. Wait, <laughs> why Eminem rap? song? <laughs> Because they're going rap, rap, and I'm like, I don't know oh, how. To rap. You're gonna be like, oh, arms weak, mom spaghetti, or you're gonna rap exactly. some Eminem. That's what I. That's what I should have done. I totally should have done that. But then I was just like, oh, they're telling me to shut up and and hurry up and finish what I'm saying. So there's just that little 
little bit there, but other than that, I was I was pretty happy with it. You can only get so much into three minutes, so. I know, but it's the opportunity, and this is so cool that you got to go on there. Okay, let's watch it. Let's without trying to interrupt. School boards pulling their children out of public schools, and they're doing it for a reason. They don't want their kids to be indoctrinated by crazy people. Rachel Wilson is a homeschooling advocate who lives in the rural Midwest. She understands what's happening and the scale of it. She joins us tonight. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on. So how big has homeschooling become in the face of the collapse of public education? Thank you so much for having me on, Tucker. Nice. Um, this pandemic, we are now two years into it, and homeschooling has increased fourfold from the beginning of the pandemic to last fall, according to a U.S. Census survey. Um, wow. In addition to that, uh, yeah, it's a, the biggest that we've ever seen. And in addition to that, we're uh, hearing data scientists tell us that a full 25% of all jobs in North America will be remote by the end of this year. So I don't think this trend is going anywhere. And I think a lot more parents are going to be finding themselves at home a lot more often with their children, which I think is a wonderful silver lining to this situation. I don't think that anybody watching this show could say they're fully satisfied with how authority figures have handled this pandemic. We see oligarchs around the world trying to institute a great reset and kind of remake society in their image. But the good thing mm-hmm. is that good. what man intends. Yeah, you like that you got the great reset in there. But we just want to say. Snuck it in there. We just want to say that the pandemic has been handled perfectly. Thank you. The administration has done the greatest <laughs> job ever. There's been no hiccups whatsoever. For evil, God love. uses for good. So we have a golden opportunity like to kind of remake society in their image. But the good thing is that what is man that what intends you, for evil. I know I always keep pausing. Is that kind of what you talked about, though, is like the great reset in it? Like, so they kind of knew that was. Saying they're not dumb. They knew what your vibe was. Right. I was surprised, like, how based and on board he was because I was like, I want to sneak this in there, but I don't want to do something that's going to just have them, like, cut me out. You know what I mean? So I kind of snuck it in there and just mentioned it quickly and then faked it right into what I was saying. But the, the article did mention, like, hey, they're changing society. They're using this as an opportunity, but we can also take advantage of the opportunity. So. Yeah, and it's always easy to Monday morning quarterback it, you know, after the fact, oh, I got it on this and that. People don't realize when you're in the booth, when you've got the lights on you and you're talking, you know, it's hard. You forget stuff. It doesn't matter how much you prepare. It is what it is. It's just a right, conversation. So yeah. you can't, you shouldn't beat yourself up. You're Not that you are. I'm just saying, you know, you're never going to go there and like just be perfectly articulate. And yeah, say I knew. You know? I've done enough just like YouTube stuff to know that afterwards i was gonna go darn it i should have you know there would be at least one thing that i would have wished i would have said or done different but you're right it's you can only do what you can do in the three minutes and i was pretty happy with it overall so yeah i think you did great i don't know i mean watch the i mean i've seen it but i'm saying let's watch let's redo it i'm doing an in time live reaction review <laughs> i like doing this and like i said i can tell you said you have a lot of makeup but it's not like your cheeks are too red i don't think you like it doesn't look i think Good. your makeup looks nice it doesn't look bad. Good. <laughs> You know, you don't look every, like a, every a, time you pause it. Like I have this really expressive face, so there is no point in the video that you can pause it where I'm not going like, or yeah, that's how <laughs> just it goes. my face. It's just yeah. my face. It's beautiful, Rachel. Thanks. Come on, it's great. I know. I always get self conscious too when I freeze my face, and I'm like, eh, you know, but society and their it's, image. It's, it's the way it goes. But the good thing is that what man intends for evil, God uses for good. So we have a golden opportunity here which is that the biggest demographic of people who have left the workforce and either stayed home or started working remotely 
are mothers of school-aged children. So um, we're in a, a special situation to take advantage of this and use it to our own benefit to kind of get away from sending our kids somewhere seven or eight hours a day to be indoctrinated by people who, quite frankly, are enemies to a more traditional conservative or Christian way of life. And instead of those people teaching our children our morals, our culture, our values, we can go back to having parents and mothers uh, teaching our kids those values. Oh, I mean, I, what you described is beautiful, and they are avowed enemies of your family and of your children. Very quickly, I think the main concern for a lot of people thinking about this is, well, will my kids grow up to be weird? I mean, are they socialized at all with no, yeah. with no classmates? Right, the, people have a lot of concerns or worries when they think about homeschooling. Um, public education is actually kind of new. It's only really been the standard for about a century, and prior to that, we had other ways of educating people. So the good news I tell people is that it's really not that hard. You do not have to be an expert. You don't have to be a teacher. And you don't have to worry about not being able to socialize your kids either. Um, we have so many uh, ways that we can do that now, especially with the Internet, all the bad that comes with it. Yeah. There's a lot of good, too. So we can we can get children into That's church. We can get the them into intramural yeah. sports that, and a again, lot of was, public schools. Into... Hold on. So, so you kind of look down on yeah. there's a lot of yeah, good I'm too. Like... Yeah, there you go. So I saw can... where you look. I saw where you look to the. You look down to the right, kind of when they're in good too. You're like, are they talking to me? That's where you're looking. Yeah. So your your eyes, yeah. you're like, what are they saying like, to me? You're trying to look in your brain, I, and then it clicks, and I'm like, oh, wrap it up. Got it. Okay. Okay. Here, let's let's see. Actually, with the internet, all the bad that comes with it, yeah. there's a lot of good too. So right we, can, pause, yeah. we can get yep. children into church, we can get them into intramural sports, and a lot of public schools also let... But real quick, you nailed it. See, the thing is, if you have a homeschool kid, they can go to church, they can go to school. I mean, there's a bunch of social stuff. I mean, you know, obviously, I guess the best social stuff is going to school, but it's, you're not lacking social stuff by going uh, to a homeschool. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, think, I don't know that public school is the best way to socialize you kids might, anymore. You're right. You know a lot I mean? of people, a lot of people, there's high suicide rates. I mean, public school is actually a terrible, uh, you know, experience for most kids. Here, let's Very violent. It. We'll talk about well, it. Hold most on. people, yeah, most people's uh, first way experience with violence is public school. Exactly. Here, we're going to. That we can do that now, especially with the internet, all the bad that comes with it, yeah. there's a lot of good too. So we can we can get children into church, we can get them into intramural sports, and a lot of public schools also let kids do sports and band and things like that through the school as well. Well, they should. You pay for them. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Also, yes, a firearms exactly. instructor, I should, I should point out. Yeah. Great to see you. Yeah. Thanks so yep. much. Yeah, they hey, have to, Sean like, Hannity here. Hey, Clint. Well, of course. Like, it's your firearms instructor. Okay, bye. <laughs> of course, they love that that you're a firearms yeah. instructor. You know they're gonna they're gonna uh, you know they're gonna eat that up, especially a woman, and especially you know it's a, a Fox News. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about homeschooling, and let's talk a little bit about the indoctrination because that's important. I mean, for me, um, I went to public school, then I went to a public college. I went to LSU, and the first I remember the first semester it was like geography or archaeology. I forget what it was. We watched um, uh, 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 Inconvenient Truth by, you know, uh, Al Gore. That was in class. I, you know, as I'm saying, it's so like, and I didn't even know what, I didn't know the ozone layer was getting thin and that's why the weather is changing. You know, they give you this, you know, fanciful story. 
but but I'm saying they indoctrinate you. That's just when I remember I was like, wait, what am I? Is this is this like what is going on? You know, why are we watching this documentary? And then I go back and I look back. I'm like, that whole college experience basically was that because the one class I got an F in was a women and gender study class, and this is why. It was, oh, good job! I know, but this is so true. <laughs> this is so stupid. The reason why is is I turned in a I turned in a uh, extra credit project. I had like a C. I had like the worst grade in it. And my buddy copied my extra credit project and we got caught cheating on an extra credit project. And she, she could have been cool and just not counted, but she, oh, she went to the top of the school, all the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, luckily because it was extra credit, it wasn't like plagiarism. I don't know. It was ended up being a big deal. I got an F in the class, but that was basically my punishment. Um, and my buddy got an F too, which it was annoying because it dropped my GPA. Then I had to take like an extra class to get an A to get it up to a 2.6 to graduate. What I'm saying is not about my crazy story. It's about <laughs> the indoctrination camp of any school. So it starts at a young age. So tell the people at home, when does it start and why do they want them so young? Oh, it starts before school even. I mean, uh, as far as the feminism stuff, everybody's just, that's the culture we're swimming in. People don't even know they're being indoctrinated because it's I actually just started a series I'm writing about Disney movies and how they took the original fairy tales and inverted the messaging to make it like strong girl, independent woman, feminism stuff. Um, I'm on my second part of that right now. But I mean, um, but isn't I'm, feminism really a scam? I mean, isn't that? I totally. mean, isn't, yeah, so to- it's totally a scam, but it's portrayed and it's taught and it's always spoken of as if it was just this wonderful idea whose time had come and women just looked around one day and realized that their whole life was slavery and that they were super oppressed and they they weren't going to take it anymore. And so they marched in the streets until they got the right to vote and blah, 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 blah. blah and the rest is history. That's not what happened. And that's what the book is about. My book is about the fact that um, these ideas are very ancient, they're very old, and they come out of the occult and occult religions. And that was indeed the case here, even in America. In 19th century America, most of the suffragettes whose names people have heard and know were occultists or were um, overtly anti-Christian. A bunch of the prominent suffragettes wrote their own version of the Old Testament They took the first five books of the Bible and they took out all the patriarchal stuff that they didn't like and made it like kind of gender neutral and took out the part where, you know, Eve is the one to first eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge. And they they just redid it. 38 of them. They made a committee and they rewrote it and took out the stuff they didn't like and they made it nicer for women. And the whole preface was written by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, a huge figure in women's liberation. I mean, she was Susan B. Anthony's best friend totally prominent woman. And you never hear this. Nobody ever tells you that they said, well, we don't think the Bible is actually the word of God. We think that it's written by men uh, for the purpose of controlling women. And so we're going to change it. And they did. And you can still buy that on Amazon right now. The women's suffrage Bible. What's it called? Yep. Is that what it's called? It's the called the woman's Bible. The woman's Bible. Yeah. By wow. Elizabeth Katie Stanton. And then she's got a committee of a committee of women who wrote it with her. And I looked at every single one of the 38 women on there, and most of them were um, either outright occultists, like Matilda G- Joslyn Gage, who was L. Frank Baum's But when you say occultists, like, do you mean witches, or do you think they actually worship Satan? Because we know the battle of good versus evil, and the people that actually worship Satan, they will use the Bible, and they will invert it. Like, they'll know the Bible more than a, a Christian right. expert sometimes. So, like, when you're talking about the occultism of these people, you're saying they were based in Satanism, or were they based in, like, witchcraft? Was it Because I know they're kind of different, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, there was both. Um, the one I just mentioned, Matilda Joslyn Gage, she was a little bit more into the witchcraft stuff. Her son-in-law was L. Frank Baum, the guy who wrote The Wizard of Oz. And wow. she, what are the chances? It's always, always I know. Questions. Okay, sorry. I know. <laughs> so she was his inspiration for the good witch uh, archetype. That witches were not bad. That they, there was a good witch. There's a good witch and a bad witch. Well, so is that she, where they created white magic? Because I didn't know that was a thing. So they're supposed to be called white magic, which is good magic. Have you ever heard of? Yeah, this? yeah, I, that's that's Golden Dawn OTO type yeah. of stuff for the most part, where they try to say that it's good magic. Um, and they have, they had. Um, I saw you got a guy on a week or two ago who was talking about this. The guy who was into the Freemasonry and stuff, and he talked a little bit about co masonry. I and forget this guy. Was was it? Uh, was it? Uh, uh, John Paul? Uh, uh, who was it? Who was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. I was just listening to it yesterday. It's where he's talking about the rooster being Satan. I don't even remember Micah Dank. I can't even remember. It might be that. an older one. Yeah, my, I can't even remember. But go ahead, explain, elaborate, remind yeah, me. Yeah, so, I, I shouldn't um, know it. But. A lot of the a lot of the prominent feminists were um, like one of them, Florence Farr. She was an actress in Victorian England. And she was also the head of her own order of the Golden Dawn. She was a high priestess. And people magician. don't know, order of the Golden Dawn, these are like satanic uh, churches. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, order OTO, like you said earlier, order yes. Theo. It was like the precursor whatever. to, like Crowley came out of the Golden Dawn and the OTO and made his own cult. It's a common thing they do where they get into one of these uh, orders, one of, one of these temples, and they'll make their own cult. You know what I mean? So... Uh, yeah, Florence Farr was one. She was a really prolific feminist writer in Victorian England, and she was like a legitimate high-level witch, like a high priestess with her own order of um, esoteric Western magic. And yeah, to, for them, it's all tied together. In fact, there's a guy I mentioned in my book who is a professor at the University of Stockholm, and he wrote his whole PhD thesis on the fact that Lucifer was the... Uh, symbol for women's liberation in the 19th century in the west that that he was seen as a liberator and that god the, like the god i would believe in as the god of the old testament and of the bible was the bad guy which is kind of a gnostic idea you know that they, they've inverted that. that guy yeah mm -hmm. but yeah. it's but the thing is now i guess they teach girls the feminist movement is like the atheistic mindset i mean that's kind of like the indoctrination everywhere they want to make you feel like you're just some sort of accident you evolve from pawn scum yeah. your life doesn't matter but like how did the feminist movement especially like put lucifer elaborate on that a little more like uh uh yeah is that what so you said they, the women's movement used lucifer as their logo yeah in the 19th century specifically so um the protestant revivals that we had in america in in the 19th century the great awakenings um people got some really weird ideas and they yeah. started they, had, they didn't have the tv they didn't have the internet so they just had books to read i'm saying it's different these people they are came like, up with some crazy yeah. stuff like okay. in the book i have a whole chapter on this and i'm like buckle up because we're going to crazy town and it's all about all the cults of the 19 yeah me too <laughs> all the cults in the 1940s that were formed out of protestantism that you also never hear about and a lot of them had feminist ideas where they would um, have the women do manual labor and wear pants and have short haircuts and they would have this the is in the 40s and in they the have the 1840s in the 1840s and the what they'd have the men do what like the feminine stuff what, yeah like washing dishes and child care and things like that and so they were trying socialism was just starting to really get popular in england and that that came here in the and 1840s so were, in the 1840s yes, yes there was this huge 
amount, like I think there was over 60 in the 1840s alone of these little breakaway civilizations, little cults. The Oneida cult, you ever heard of Oneida cult cutlery? Yeah, the like, knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people's grandparents have like some Oneida silverware. The or Oneida, yes. Yeah. That was actually started by a guy named John Noyes, who was a Protestant minister. And he had a terrible, uh, terrible tragedy in his marriage where he and his wife kept having um, miscarriages or stillborn babies. And I think he was looking for answers and I empathize a lot with it, but he came up with some really weird ideas about what to do about that. And so he created what were some of those ideas. I mean, that'd be well, tough to have a bunch of still. He born. said that, you know, we're supposed to be making the kingdom of heaven here on earth, according to him. And he believed that he had overcome sin and was now sinless. And so that he was the guy to lead this and tell everybody what they should do. And the main thing he came up with is that guys should learn how to participate in intercourse without finishing the act. If you get my yeah, I've heard of this where you save your seed. There's a rapper that does this now. Uh, Okay. So that's what he, I I forget the guy, not Kodak black, but um, um, uh, Kevin Gates, he's a rapper and he talks about how he he makes love to his wife, but doesn't finish, which is impossible. You have to finish, but whatever, Uh, regardless. Okay. So this guy was crazy. He was not about finishing. And they had weird things going on. Like the, the, older men would initiate the young girls into into sexuality. That's in every culture it's so gross every, yeah every culture dude and, and it's still happening but guess though. what else they did they had the old ladies introduce the younger boys to why it not those old well, ladies want it i'm saying yeah they, i mean yeah they, they're, they're not getting it from the old men i mean well, I, I, the idea here was that they're past menopause so you know if little if the boys who are being trained to not ejaculate do have a whoops that they probably won't get her pregnant because she's post-menopausal Wow, yeah. this is had, sick. Yeah, and they they had a lot of feminist ideas about things too. Like they did, they had communal marriage. Everyone was obligated to sleep with everyone else. You had to get approved to actually procreate. So the leader of the cult, Noyes, had to approve of you um, procreating. Well, and I believe course, I believe that's why the Catholic Church had to make the priests not have because they were having sex with everybody's wives, so they made it where they had to be celibate. Is that true, Rachel? I mean, I could be off. I've heard I've heard that, and I'm not like a super big expert on Catholicism because I was raised Protestant and then I converted to Orthodox Christianity uh, later in life, so I know a lot more about that. I know the basics of Catholicism and all, and all that stuff, but I I think you're right. I think there was some of that. There but was these cults. Uh, they take advantage of any chance they can sleep with. Yeah. The girls oh, and people were people were suing them and they had police trying to get people's daughters back out of this place and everything. But yeah, they had a very feminist idea that like, um, you know, making women have babies was bad for them. Uh, childbirth is detrimental and dangerous and it kills you. And, you know, uh, natalism is bad and we shouldn't have so many people. It was like a precursor to the Eugenics. anti-ableist Wait, deep that's, yeah it was very weird to think in the 1840s like we don't need people it's like we got all this room we got i mean i guess you could like argue maybe we don't have enough resources or whatever like you said maybe you die in childbirth I, i'm just trying to think to justify like why in the 1800s you'd be like no let's not have kids because i feel like in the 1800s you want kids to work them to do whatever like you almost yeah. need more people well, most around. people did yeah. most people did think that but this guy came up with this because he he thought that like childbirth was like damaging to women that like with every baby you had, it was like sucking the life force out of you. Very, again, a very like 
It's true. A culty type of a, <laughs> of an idea. Well, I've had five, and I'm doing okay. I'm still here. I'm kidding. Five. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Go ahead. But no, they. I mean, they had a lot of um, ideas about having men do the daycare and trying to have women uh, be in government and different things. So they they were experimenting with a lot of this stuff, and it was all related to like transcendentalism and uh, socialism and all the social gospel stuff that was coming around and being popular right before the civil war. So yeah, I had no idea how nuts the 1800s were in America. I, you know, we just, we hear it was just Puritans and stuff, you know, no, we don't hear about the wacky stuff they were up to. Oh, they were up to some crazy stuff. And then, you know, you had the witch stuff and you did have real witches here. And a lot of them ended up being feminists. And if uh, the other big thing was spiritualism. So the women who were like um, channeling spirits and talking to the dead and, they started having seances. That was more like the 1860s, 1890s, right in there was like the height of that. That and used to be super popular. People don't realize that was a huge super popular. deal. And, and a lot yeah. of it was scams. They could like, you know, it's like almost yeah. magic tricks. Because Harry Houdini, totally. he, he went and tried to expose all these people because that was like, a, they would travel, they'd be called mediums. But back yep. then the mediums were really well respected and they could do, they'd have like a team and they could do tricks where they'd have like, an animal appear. I don't even know the tricks. You'd have to look into it, but they could do stuff where they would make a normal person be like, this is a witch. This is a, you know what I mean? They'd yeah. be like, this well, is one of the first, she's technically the first person to ever run for president would be Victoria Woodhull. First and woman or first person? First, first woman to okay. run for president. Um, it, she was on a ticket with Frederick Douglass, but it didn't get like officially approved. So I think they Wait, got, like, so a- you're telling me Frederick Douglass, a black and a woman yeah. together. Wow. I like yeah. that. That's a pre Obama and Kamala. They would have won. It in was. Today's- it was people, were talking about, people were talking about progress. They were already pretty progressive back then. Give me a break. Sorry. They were suit. They were actually super ultra progressive. Like it's nuts. How, how they kind of make the sixties and seventies hippies look like nothing like Victoria Woodhull was the one who popularized the idea of free love and um, that women should just be able to, you know, give away their love to whoever they want and that you shouldn't even be able to shame me. Like no slut shaming, essentially. She started the like no slut shaming. Sexual liberation. Yes, exactly. But she was a spirit medium herself and she was a total huckster. Her and her sister were total shysters. But, they, but all these people, Rachel, all these uh, uh, witches, they love sex magic. Aleister Crowley. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just talking about that. So, of course, they got to they gotta like sex because they, they actually would like have sex and say spells and drink yeah. stuff and drink exactly. fake potions and stuff while having sex. So sex is like a big part of their culture, you know? Yeah. Did you know that the um, the witch archetype, like the broomstick thing, the flying on broomsticks, that actually comes from in the medieval times when they had hallucinogenic drugs and they we would still got them. We still got them. I'm on some we right now. Them. I'm just kidding. And they would, they would make like salves out of the hallucinogens and put it on the broomstick and then use the broomstick in orgiastic uh, spell rituals. Wow. So that's where flying on a broomstick came from. They were literally jamming it up their vaginal holes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. These witches are crazy. <laughs> I wish I had their number. Okay. And people don't realize, or I always say people don't realize, people probably realize this, but like the movement of that, that there's so many origins today within our own government when it comes to Aleister Crowley, where all this stuff oh, came yeah. out of. I, I mean, the, the like, and the we UN. yeah, I mean, I want you, I want, to, get, I want you to tell me too. about it, but it, it's crazy how it goes from like 1840 to where it's like 
1940 to 2040 very soon. And, you know, and we still have these uh, occultic. So uh, how did it transition to where we're at now? Where like Aleister Crowley was basically at the beginning of Scientology with L. Ron Hubbard and, and yes. the NASA program with Jack Parsons. Like, yes, how, I and, mentioned that in the book, too. And Michael Aquino, who's one of our highest yep. military officials. So he recently passed away, but he was an open uh, Satanist. So it's like, oh, how, yeah. What, what, how, how did we not squash that out when they went from ultra progressivism? Like, I guess from they've just they've just gotten stronger, or is it kind of been in the background? We haven't been able to pay attention. It's, what is your it's opinion? It's always the been there. I mean, that stuff. I, the book is kind of chronological. It starts in the ancient times and goes all the way to now. <clears throat> but we, I do talk about Parsons because his uh, wife Marjorie Cameron was a very prolific occultist too, and she was total wackadoo. Um, and they did all kinds of sex magic. Uh, she was an artist, but she was like a very popular feminist figure and icon of the 60s. She was like a counterculture feminist icon. And she she had her own cult out in California on this old dude ranch where she <laughs> it's always sex stuff. <laughs> she was trying to make moon children mixed race moon children. So she uh, recruited people into her cult and would order certain ones to have sex with other ones and try to get them pregnant and do uh, spells and rituals over them while this was happening. And they were trying to trying to usher in the great beast, which is what Crowley was trying to do. Uh, Cameron was the Scarlet Woman. Jack, Jack Parsons thought that she was the Scarlet Woman and that they were going to bring about the end times through the sex magic. He blew himself up. Wait, Which was, was Jack? I, wait, real quick. Was, Jack Parsons blew himself. I know, up, I know, yeah. but was Jack? Was he like? It kind of sounds like she was like the the more dominant one, or was he the more dominant one? Because it sounds like she had the compound. Well, well, once he died, she kind of took over all his work. Okay, she so that's like, how her. So yeah. she kind of blew up after. She would he died. do, yeah. She would do like desert rituals, trying to contact his ghost and things like that, and try to do what she thought he would want her to do, and then it kind of became her own thing after a while, and. You can still buy her super creepy, weird art online and stuff. She's I put some of that in the book, too. But she was really terrifying. <laughs> and then speaking of weird art, we still have people today like Marina Abramovich, who's like the yep. super famous Satanist mm -hmm. artist who does spirit cooking where they do, yep. uh, you know, actually rituals where they'll get like blood and semen and, and put it on the wall. I mean, these people are absolutely that's sick. actually becoming very popular. People don't really like people like you, especially guys that don't go on like TikTok and, and Instagram. I don't and go on TikTok. Yeah. But. If you're not on there watching what 20 and 30 year old women do, it's it's a huge thing. If you just go there and look at the hashtag like goddess worship or, um, you know, like blood ritual or witchcraft or Wicca, use any of those tags and you will find video after video after video of women showing you how to use your menstrual blood to feed your house plants how to use it to make a mask for your face to keep your face youthful forever, which is well, kind of like they love that blood. Wait, keep going. So wait, they took they, this is all on TikTok. Wow, yeah, TikTok and Instagram, it's everywhere. This is like the there's a huge witchcraft Wicca revival right now, and it's definitely and, why does it happen now? Because I remember the back in the day, like the craft that that used to be the witches used to be so cool. And what's that? Hocus Pocus yeah. was like the coolest yeah. movie ever. You know, that kind of, you know, made witches cool. I don't know, Halloween. I'm not saying witchcraft is cool. I'm not trying to say that. But I'm yeah. just saying in pop culture, witches kind of were cool. Like in the, like, I just remember the craft in like the 90s. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can see why Wicca, what is the board that you have the board where you're- The Ouija board. Like the Ouija board. Like all that was so cool kind of in the 90s and early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, um, it was. And so now that's all making a revival with the TikTok stuff? Yep. But it's like, 
more. <laughs> like, Way they're, edgier. They're, they're very serious about it. It's like this whole um, find your goddess within, find your power, like you're powerful. And the thing is that it does kind of work. It's yeah, well, hey, let's let's elaborate on that because uh, because I know you're uh, obviously a, a religious person, and and I believe you know obviously there's a creator. I don't think we evolved from from pawn scum, but isn't God in all of us so too? I mean, isn't that I mean, or is that not the case in your opinion? Because I feel like there's a creator, but then I think there's a little bit of God in all of us. I guess we are created in His image and likeness. Okay, um, so, so there's no God I, in us. No, there's not. That's not what. Yeah, no. All I'm saying is like, I feel like that's kind of what He owns. Like our in my mind, this is just me. I could be wrong, but it's like our soul our energy like that's kind of part of god i feel like um that's well, why you're we really go. you're really close because we do have our own energy and our own will but we can actually see this is something that's really lost in western christianity which is why i converted to orthodoxy not only because it's the actual original church that christ and the apostles founded but because they understand more of the metaphysical whereas protestantism in particular just threw out the whole metaphysical part of christianity and turned it into a more rational legal system of theology whereas in orthodoxy we know that there is a metaphysical realm there's a noetic realm that god has energies that he has an essence that we have our own energy and our own essence and things like that so i mean you're you're very close i wouldn't say god is in us but we are created by him in his image and likeness and there is a way back to that after the fall through christ so 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 through the metaphysics uh you obviously don't believe that heaven is here on earth but how is that how we get to heaven metaphysically so i mean obviously our body doesn't get there or how does how does our soul get to heaven in your opinion there is a soul and the orthodox interpretation would be that after you die, you go to the eschaton, the afterlife. Um, we don't believe that there's like a heaven and a hell that God created like two separate places and you send the good people to this place and you send the bad people to this place. But Seems more than a little it too is, general for me, but go ahead. Like it's not nuanced yeah. enough, but okay. For such for God to create such a, a unique place, it seems like the, the afterlife's not that unique. But God, I don't know. I want to hear your No, your it effort. is. It is in the way that you experience it will depend on um, you know, your faith and your however you related to God here in this world. So for instance, if you're somebody who hates God and you die and you go to heaven to the afterlife and you're in God's eternal fiery presence, you're going to experience it as torture. It's going to be awful for you because your will is so diametrically opposed to his that you're going to hate it. Whereas if your will, if you have moved your will closer to him and you have participated in his energies through things like the Eucharist and prayer and fasting, that you will already kind of know him, your will will be more aligned with his and you will experience it as paradise. And I kind of like explain it like when you're in the sun and you're getting a sunburn from the sun, it's awful. All you want to do is get out of the sun. It hurts, yeah. But when you're cold, you just got out of like the ocean or something and you're freezing, you're like shivering and you're in the warm sun and it just like feels so good. That's kind of what it would be like. That's kind of the closest analogy I could think of. And I'm not clergy. I'm not like a priest or anything. I'm just giving you my like quick, quick fire version of it. The occult based mom version, a woman who does a lot of research and who has a book for sale. And is the book coming out Sunday or when is the book? Or is it already out? The book's been out since December. Mm-hmm. Okay, the it's book has been out to December, and I have a link in the description. Uh, obviously, we have more of the interview left. I just want to say, so don't necessarily leave, guys. But that book that we've been talking about is in the description. They're going to be able to find it in Rachel's links. Uh, so so uh, elaborate, though, a little bit more, though. How does occultism get into our public school system, in your opinion? Well, um, 
if you go back to like the founding of the UN, I have a chapter in there on Alice Bailey and how she was, she was an occultist, a very famous new age occultist. And she had a lot of influence in building the UN and the UN has a spiritual um, department, if you will. Uh, you can go to the UN headquarters. The UN does? What, wait, is it they like do. an all religion? Is it a, is it a one world religion yes, type deal? Like what is it? Yep. It's a one world religion. It's yeah. very monistic. It's very new age. And they have Muslim, this, Christian, everybody Jewish. It's a, yeah, yeah it's sure all it's the it. same. Yeah. It's all the yeah. same. And we're all, we're all going to end up as one and all that kind of thing. And they have this weird sanctuary with this cube in it. With it's Saturn, like the cube of Saturn, probably. Yes. Yes. It's, it's extremely occultic. You can and go this right is the, the UN Nations. Wait, I want to look this up. Yeah. How do I do this? Go to the Church, UN website. Church of United Nations. Is that what I would call it, maybe? Yeah. It's, well, it's the United Nations. Um, oh, gosh. I'm blanking on it. It's like their um, center church for the United Nations, maybe. Let me see. United yeah, Nations it's like church. a. Uh, I was saying there's one in Richmond, Virginia, United Nations Church International. That wouldn't it's be. It's like a, their spirituality thingy. Let me. Since if I was on my computer upstairs, I have links all saved. I yeah, know. Spirituality but... at the United Nations. Do do do. Spiritual history of the UN. Uh, where is it? But they have a big black cube that's kind of like the. Yeah, uh, they were doing cross. That's what they're. Yeah, they were doing Zoom worship ceremonies during COVID, where you could um, meditate with them and do like moments of silence and. And like the new agey prayer stuff, and they promote a lot of veganism and things like that. So it's very. Well, I like that. Very, I'm the plant based pimp, but I, I'm not anti meat. I actually have to buy meat all the time for my cats. For me, it's kind of a digestion thing, and I'm an animal nut. But why is that? Why is that kind of like an occultic thing not to eat meat? Because this is why I say that, though, Rachel, because I believe how heaven is described, I guess, in the Bible, the kingdom of heaven is that you live harmoniously with the animals. Yes. I, so so I'm saying it almost would see kind of a Christian thing to not eat animals. And I'm not saying that to calling you a non-Christian for eating animals because you eat oh, animals no. in the Bible. So I'm not I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily think that would be an evil thing. Not to cut off a cow's leg and make a hamburger. It's not. Well, <laughs> so there's like a moral component. And then, like you said, there's a, a like a health component. Yeah. But as far as the moral or religious aspect, Orthodox Christians, actually, we have multiple fasts throughout the year where we don't um, eat meat or use oil. And the reason we don't use oil is because traditionally it was stored in animal skins. And so this is kind of our way of reconciling with the animal kingdom and kind of saying thank you for everything that they provide for us during the times of the year where we do eat meat. See, that so, makes sense. You're not totally just, you're not stuffing the buffet food in a trash bag and taking it home. God's like, hey, you guys eat meat, but a little, take a little break, take the fast. So how does, yeah. a, what about the occultism? Is fasting a part of occultism, I'm sure? Uh, it can be, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Elon people? Musk's girlfriend, well, they broke up now, but his, yeah. one of his baby Grimes. mamas, the Grimes, yes. Yeah. She has talked about how when she does her albums, she will lock herself away and like not eat for like 11 days at a time to get herself um, spiritually attuned enough to channel these spirits into her music. So she well, is like a hard. Well, this is why this is true, also. though, guys, when you fast and your body goes into what is called ketosis and your body's using ketones, mm -hmm. stored fat. Your brain actually would rather run. This is what they say. It would actually yeah. rather run on ketones. So when you fast, yeah. this is what they say. You can actually be a little smarter. I mean, I've actually felt it where I've been I've fasting. Yeah. And I felt I felt like really clear. You have like mental clarity. But at the same time, you're kind of hungry and thin. Like I know there's a lot of factors of why I feel like you might have mental clarity because you feel good physically too usually. 
Um, but what I'm saying is the fasting, do they use that in the occultism or, or are they the yes. opposite since we fast? Are they like gluttons? Like, let's just stuff our face with well, this they, you know, hamburger or whatever. The occult is basically an inversion of the traditional Christian church. So whatever we do in my church, they kind of invert it and use it for um, the inverted purpose. So <clears throat> like a lot of their rituals and their ceremonies are kind of inverted. So they'll, they'll do like a bastardized version of the Eucharist instead of what we do with like the bread and the wine they will um, do something similar, but make it more of like an offering to whatever God or goddess they might be worshiping or to Lucifer. It kind of depends. You know, there's like different, some of them are actual Satanists who believe Satan is bad, but they worship him anyway. Then there's others who worship Lucifer, but see him as a liberator and a light bringer, which is what yeah. most of the feminists were. That's weird. So they they look at and they think God is the bad guy and they yeah. think Lu Lucifer. And, and why is that? Because they say the kingdom, God kicked out the 33 angels. And they say, I guess the person he kicked out, they like that person. Is that what the story yeah. is? Yeah. Well, they see it as like um, God didn't want us to have knowledge, but Lucifer did. So that's why uh -huh. he you know, tempted us with the, with the fruit of the tree and knowledge and that, you know, it's the Gnostic. Well, that, oh, I know why they say that too. I, because they say that, that God is actually the first liar. I'm not saying this because they, he said, if you eat the apple, you will die. And then they yes. ate the apple and they live. So that's what these people, the Bible inversion, yes. not me. It's called the mm -hmm. serpent seed theory. I'm not saying this, but they, they actually believe that God is bad because he lied to Adam and Eve and actually the snake, the devil yes. told them the truth. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what they believe. But that's that's another thing that's a difference between Orthodox Christianity and then later Roman Catholic and Western interpretations of Christianity is that we don't think that God placed the tree of knowledge. There is like a, a gotcha or a trick or a temptation. That's the Western interpretation. Ours is that we were always meant to be able to eat from it when we were ready. So when Adam and Eve were made, they were in adult bodies, but they were still kind of uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually young like um, kids or teenagers. So they weren't ready for that yet. And God was in the process of theosis with them, which is a process of deifying them, but that the serpent came in and tempted them before they were ready. And that's what corrupted them. And then God gave them the chance to repent when he asked them, what have you done? He wasn't asking them that because he didn't know. He knew what they did. It's he asked them question. that to give them a chance to say, you know what? We did this. We're so sorry. Please forgive us. But that's not what they did. Uh, Eve blamed it on the serpent and then Adam blamed it on God. He said, well, you gave me this woman. You gave me this woman and she did it to me. So it's your fault. Adam's not so, wrong, but go ahead. So that's kind of where like the curse comes from. So it's a different interpretation than what a lot of Western Christians are familiar with. And I think that um, in the Middle Ages, a lot of Catholics and um, Protestant forerunners, because there were people before the Reformation who had these ideas. And they, I think a lot of them did take that idea and kind of run with it and turn it into some occult type of ideas and Gnostics and stuff like that to say that the God of creation is the bad guy because he didn't want you to have knowledge and he lied, like you said. So they invert it. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and okay, so, but what's the difference between a feminist and me wanting to help women because I, I'm, a, I'm not trying to virtue signal because I'm not saying that women even need my help. Like I can do so much, but I'm saying, what, what is the difference between a feminist and wanting to help women that may be, uh, you know, like my mom, I mean, RIP, sure. I'm just saying, you know, like people want to help other women because we're all, we all have a mom. Nobody got here without a woman. So, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like women, we should treat them a little special, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So how is that oh, different yeah. than being like a feminist cuck? So one of the most important things I go over in the book is that um, feminists will tell you that they changed history. 
they think that what we had as history for the longest time was incorrect because it was not told from the standpoint of the people who were oppressed, which would, according right. to them, be women. And so that they retold it. They changed it when they made uh, women's studies an official discipline in the 60s. The, the only people who are going to become professors in that arena are people who are already radical feminists. Mm -hmm. So they came up with something they call standpoint feminism, which means well, that. Okay. Can a man teach a women in gender study class? Probably not. Maybe in a super aggressive school. But I mean, I know they're not. Even well, why would they to... want to? It's yeah, just like, I know, why but. Okay, sorry, but, sorry. So they they kind of flipped it and they've they've told everybody that all throughout history, women were just chained to a stove. They were forced to pop out babies until they either died in childbirth or died from earth death, you know, which is not true because women have a control over men. I mean, you know, some women, I mean, not all women. I'm just saying some women, not all women are just lost babes in the woods. I mean, I've been manipulated by a woman. Some of these women are yeah. ruthless. Well, that's the thing is that there, there exists a natural balance of power between men and women. I tell people all the time there's nobody more powerful on this planet than a hot 21 year old Seriously. a hot 21 year old woman there is nobody with they'll more make power you take off a condom they'll make you do you you can be i'm just saying you can be like the most staunch person and a young good-looking woman will make you make decisions you know well, they'll make they, a sober man drunk down, they'll yeah. do anything yeah i mean they've brought down entire kingdoms you know yes. they've uh samson and delilah you've got david and all these all these archetypal stories of men like sacrificing their kingdom, their life, everything, their soul for a hot, young, fertile woman, right? So what happens when you take the hot, young, fertile woman and then on top of all the power she already has, because that's not only the power to control men, but we have twice as many female ancestors as we do men because women are the ones who choose who gets to reproduce. And not all men do. Yeah, you know, they, but they women, power, women, yeah. I mean, you could be a two and you still are going to get someone to reproduce with you. Right. So well, but real quick, that's why they say there's not a sexual stigma is because it's hard for a guy to get laid. But a woman can say yes or no at any time. So, yes, if, they, so, so if they have a lot of sex, it's a little different than a guy has a lot right. of sex. That's what they say. Yeah, And we so we had all this power already. And then if you take and add political power and legal power and uh, financial power on top of that, you've just thrown everything out of whack. So that's that's what I always argue in debates is just saying like, look, there was a natural balance of power and you screwed it all up by trying to equalize everything when it was already equal. It was different. Like, yes, men have the monopoly on physical force and things like that, but we have power in, in all kinds of other ways. For sure. Oh. No, I mean, if anybody underestimate a woman, like like I said, what a woman might not have physically is it like we could just say and in sports, Leah Thomas, a transgender athlete, you know, he, he's yeah. going to have a physical advantage over a woman. Uh, even though there are some sports women are supposedly equal and like the long distance running this and that. But I'm just saying what women aren't as physically strong as men, they make up for in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So it's weird that they would actually kind of brainwash women to make them feel inferior like that yes. seems like another but it's another inversion. Yeah. Yes, it's another it's another inversion that comes out of the occult, which is to say, I mean, your real power is you can create life, you can give yeah. birth, you can choose whose genes are propagated, you can, you know, uh, select which men get to, you know, have your babies and everything. But that that's that's stupid. That's for dumb people. That's for losers. That's for lazy women who can't hack it in the career world, right? That's for uh, lazy, unmotivated, dumb, dumb girls who aren't smart enough to go to college and be a strong, independent CEO or whatever. And that instead, girl you boss. should be, you yeah, be you should be boss. imitating men. You should be imitating men and trying to beat men at being men and then reject everything that's unique about being a woman. 
So you nailed it there. They're trying to beat men at being men. So I'm 35. And actually, they do a lot of studies. A lot of people my age, this study came out like 10 years ago, is that women my age and my generation are actually doing better financially than men. They're getting paid a lot more. And that was the case. I dated this girl that worked at the Richards Group. This is when I was younger, like when I was like 26. She was making so she was a year older than me. She was making a lot of money. I was making very little money compared to her. I'm just saying, so there is earning power where, where they try to make it seem like these women don't make any money. But now because of feminism, they've kind of taken over the workplace in a way where yeah. they just have these spinsters um, and they're creating, I guess, like a, I guess a generation of lonely women or multiple generations of lonely women. Yeah, because this is the Faustian bargain. It's you think that when you're a young woman, life's always been a certain way, especially if you're attractive. It's always been a certain way. If you're a pretty girl. I want to say this though, Rachel, because I know as a girl, you're going to say, oh, I have insecurities. Not all girls are pretty, but I'm telling you, I watch all these, my 600 pound life and these girls that are 700 pounds and they all have a boyfriend. Got a boyfriend. So I, I say, I and there's some guys that are 700 pounds and have a girlfriend. You're like, what? But I'm just saying, it doesn't matter if you're ugly or pretty or what, you can find somebody for you right. out there. Yeah. yeah. So for you women, say, yes. you do have a little more of an advantage being a beautiful woman, but it's like, you're a woman out there and you don't think you're the most beautiful. Trust me, there's there's somebody out there yeah. for you. I guarantee like, you. Like even love women you. in general, we're just kind of used to like, people are gonna, if you're on the side of the road with a flat tire, someone's gonna stop and help you. Whereas if you're a man, maybe not. Uh, people are gonna open the door if you have something that you're carrying. Whereas if you're a man, maybe not. You just get used to the world being a certain way. And then- you think it's always going to be like that. You don't think about what life's going to be like after you're 45 or 50 and you don't have fertility anymore and your youthful beauty isn't there. And I know that we have Botox and plastic surgery and all that, but I don't care how hot you are. If you're 60 years old, put you next to any 20 year old game over. Sorry. It's just, it's not going to be the same as it was. So what happens is these women build their lives around career and status and money and power. And then they get to the later half of their life and they're lonely. They're unfulfilled. They know that when they die, they're just going to fill their job position the next day and no one's going to miss them. Whereas if you're me and you've got five kids and probably I'll have a dozen grandkids, I'm not replaceable to any of those people. And I have a tremendous amount of influence over all of those human beings. Rachel, I had to cut you off. That is so true because listen, that's the only thing that matters because when my mom died, I'm saying everything we do in life is basically meaningless. Like when Kobe Bryant dies, oh, we get sad, but the world doesn't change. No, no flights are canceled. Everybody still goes on. What I'm saying is my mom recently died and every single day I cry. I'm saying her life means everything to me. So that's what makes me realize, oh, I got to create something because nobody else cares because nobody cared about, I mean, you know, she had a brother and a sister, you know, they were sad, but I'm saying like the love that I have for her, that pain, that sorrow I feel is like, yeah. It almost makes you realize I had to create somebody else because that's all we have. All we yes. have is that person that, that loves and care for us. Or, you know, it, we, we just, we take that for granted, but I'm telling you in the world, it's all meaningless. Nobody cares about anything. When that person is gone, the person you love the most, like your mom, it's a totally different feeling. So that creation, that is what life is about. It's about creating yes. something that makes you feel that way. Yes. And if you were, if you were the adversary, if you were Satan, if you were the devil, wouldn't you want to convince people that that's stupid and not worth wasting your time on and that you should pursue all these material things instead? I mean, that's what's happened. Look at birth rates around the world since feminism. We're and you, well and, and in, Africa, in Northern Africa, I mean, they, they have each girl has five kids per person yet here in America. It's like the movie idiocracy where, Oh, I don't want to have a kid. We can't afford it. You know, we yeah. got bills. So and I'm is, busy and I went to college and I paid all this money for my degree and I have all these years invested. And how can I just walk away from that? 
for kids. You know what I mean? So that's, we don't anymore, but don't worry about North Africa or India because the Rockefeller Foundation and the Gates Foundation are on their way. They are there. <laughs> it's a eugenics. They got a eugenics well, they're program. Help. Yes, they're going to help. They're going to bring the feminism, the birth control, the abortion, the the um, stabbies and whatever. Yeah. So don't worry. They're going to take care of that. And soon they'll be at 1.4 births as well. So <laughs> Why is, I mean, that just, just tells you uh, William Gates Sr. who started Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, who is, you know, yes. Bill Gates' father. And he's obsessed, obsessed with getting birth control to these countries. Like, yeah. dude, who cares? And that's another psyop. They try to say that, like, you know, we we have our insufficient supplies and we're going to run. We got plenty of room here on Earth. Uh, yeah. So the idea like, oh, we can't have kids because of climate, because of global warming. Right. So what we're doing is good. Well, that this, is such a lie. This is a Gnostic occultic idea as well. I do a really deep dive on Sanger in the book, and she was horrible. Like, I, I had a hard time writing that chapter because I had so much anger toward her because I realized how much of this antinatalism comes from that. And you're right. It was Bill Gates senior and she was hanging out with HG Wells and Havelock Ellis and all these like very popular and influential intellectuals of the time. And they were all banging each other. They were yeah, all brave new world. HG Wells. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. They, they, it's like about sexual liberation and, and they're all yeah. in Soma, you know, they're all in anti-anxiety pills. So they just, you know, have sex without any, uh, um, you know, inhibition. Yeah, exactly. They were all, like I said, they make some of these 60s hippies look like amateurs. They were all doing um, ayahuasca tea and having orgies and things like that. That sounds kind of fun now. That, now that I can't, you can't <laughs> participate in that. Okay, Rachel, let's, let's kind of wrap things up. It's such, sure. I can't, I hate that people get mad when I yell, but I get excited because I get I like I it. Well, I don't always get the Tucker Carlson. Yes, this is a very special day. It's a diet Tucker. I get diet. Well, we got long form Rachel, so we got full blast. We got we didn't get diet Rachel. We That's got right. regular. You didn't get free uh, today, Rachel. Yeah, we got the diesel. We got the real deal. Yeah. So Rachel, kind of tell the people. Well, let's in a succinct way. We talked a lot about occultism. We talked a lot. We didn't talk too much about homeschooling, but I think we both vibe with that. That listen, yeah. the social stigma in this day and age, it's probably almost better to have that little bit of social stigma and have a homeschool and then have them play yes. sports. Then to send him to a public school and get bullied or get beat up in the bathroom or, or, or tr get tricked into sending naked pictures of your vagina at a very young yeah. age and then it haunts you for the rest of your life. Yes. Or your kids come back thinking they're the opposite gender of what you sent them to school as. And they have. And, they have, and Rachel, they, we saw that they have transition closets now where these teachers uh -huh. will let the, they'll let the student because the, the student doesn't want to tell their parents. So they come in their normal clothes. And then they go in the transition closet and the teacher will give them clothes or they bring their clothes in their backpack and they can change into their clothes without their parents' judgment. Yep, exactly. And this was the, those communal weird cults I was telling you about. They had things like this, too, where it was like the parents are parents are bad for the kids. We have to separate them. They would separate the parents from the kids and raise them communally so that they weren't under this undue influence by the parents. And this is all. The overarching idea here is humanity is bad. People are bad. Uh, we need to depopulate because people are bad. We need to not give birth so much because people are bad. And and the body and human life on this earth is something to be escaped from. And it's, you know, it's all these ways of trying to figure out how you can get rid of that or escape from it or create something else. That's what all of these things have in common. So that's where it all comes from. And feminism has been very effective at lowering birth rates and breaking up families and atomizing people and um, taking the American individualist mindset and turning it into something where it's like 
we don't even want families now. We don't even want communities now, right? Um, but oddly, at the same time, we're fine with huge group identities, right? Like you can identify with- You have to identify with a group. <laughs> right. So it's it's very weird. It's very inverted, but it's none of it is very pro-human, really, even though they a lot of them claim to be humanists. I mean, the UN has two humanist documents and they're kind of anti-human, but- It doesn't make sense because they tell you not to have kids, but then they also tell you to be anti-individualistic. You know, they don't want you to be an individual. Yeah. They don't want you to be like a unique individual. They want you to go with the flow, but they also tell you that- your life is the most important thing. Your job is more important than having kids. Yeah. And uh, your happiness is more important than anything else in the world. So get high on these Soma pills or whatever it is to, yeah. to medicate SSRIs. And that's another thing is like, when did the, in your opinion, I, I know I'm just kind of spitballing this, but I guess the age of anxiety is like this day and age where the mental health pills, they gave everybody pills. So when did the pharmacia, we can only say so much uh, on yes. here. We love it. But like kind of when did like the anxiety age where they made everybody kind of stressed out uh, or has it always been going? Has that all? Has that been a psychological operation for since the uh, 1800s? Well, the research that I've done has—it's really um, the 60s, like right about 1965 when Second Wave hit, when Betty Friedan's book came out, when the CIA and the Congress for Cultural Freedom and Gloria Steinem and they started really pushing this on the culture, and birth control was very accessible and easy and socially acceptable, and divorce started. So. In 1960, we had only 5% of mothers with school-age children working outside the home. By 1980, it was women, 50. mothers making up 50% of the workforce. It was yeah. that fast. There is no other social revolution that has changed society that much in that short of a sp uh, span of time. And at the, so when you're growing up, now you your dad's not there because your parents are divorced. Mom probably kicked him out or you don't even know who dad is. Yeah. You're being raised in, you know, you go to daycare before school and then you're in a public school all day. And then you go to after school care. You see mom maybe for an hour or two before bed. That's it. And that's your whole family. That's your whole anchor. You don't have anything else. And so we see things like ADHD. And your mom's yelling at you not to get cheese on your burger because it's extra 75 yeah. cents because she's been working all day. Yeah, and basically. Going, I mean, I'm saying that, you know, the and, mom and mothers working. are resentful. Yeah, yeah because they make you resentful. All day. And I just can't handle your crap. Like, I just have no patience and I'm so tired. And yeah, it's, it's really just such a terrible Faustian deal. It's not good for women. It's not good for kids. It's not good for men. It's not good for anyone. And so now everybody's on pills. Everybody has anxiety. I mean, why would you not have anxiety when this is the normal thing? You have no anchors. You have no roots. You have no, um, everything's just a breakneck speed. It's like, go, go, go. But also, you know, um, take this drug or do these pills or drink this stuff or smoke this or whatever to make yourself feel better so you can deal with this reality that we have. And then at the same time, they're telling us how much better everything is. So that's why I had to write the book because I was just like, this is all an inversion. Nobody knows the real story. There's so much history there that nobody gets told. And I'm going to tell it because I have four daughters and hopefully lots of grandkids. And I do want to leave are. something, you know, I want to leave something for them. And maybe someday in the future, we'll have made motherhood great again. We'll have made families great again. And it'll be cool to be a mom and parent your children yourself and stay home with them. And maybe my kids will look back at my book or my great grandkids will look back at it and be like, grandma was like pretty ahead of her time. Based. You know? that's, grandma that's was based. She yeah, knew about the occultic inversion of our society. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Well, Rachel, you're a queen. Guys, go and look at the description right now. You hit Rachel's links <laughs> and you order that book and you go support her because she is a mom. She's got a lot of kids. So you're not just feeding her. You're feeding a family. That is good. That's how we got to support. We don't want to support the New World Order. We don't want to support Klaus Schwab. We want to support Rachel and we want to support her work because you are doing, like I said, a very thankless job. That's the thing about this. You know, when you're trying to expose the world we live in, you're always going to have like the mainstream against you. So it's hard. You're not fighting. You're not fighting a winning battle. So I appreciate you. And I think that, you know, you're like me. It's even though we might not be the mainstream, it doesn't mean what we're saying is any less important than what those idiots are spewing. 100%. I agree with you. And next time, if I come back, if you would have me back, sir, we will have to spur out about some of this war propaganda. Are you crying? We will. We'll get all crazy. I just wrote a piece on the history of war propaganda because I love that stuff too. So we'll have to like go over the typical uh, tricks and things that they always repeat that nobody seems to catch on to. I want to go through it. The propaganda. I want to, and like, you know, Propaganda, we're always constantly under it, but man, the yeah. way the media is pumping up Ukraine, it's like, come on. I mean, it's oh, the, just... Did you happen to hear the State of the Union tonight? I hadn't even watched it yet because I'm oh, about gosh. to look at the it. The demonization is working of over Russia. You're talking about yeah. Russia? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're the, they're the whole evil empire again. I mean... Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to know. No, I don't have pants on. I never wear pants. I have shorts <laughs> on. I have shoes. And uh, and let me read the Super Chats. Brian Williamson, thank you for the Super Chat. David Crocco, thank you so much for the Super super Chat. And I Dream of Irene, thank you. So I appreciate all the Super Chats. And guys, I really would appreciate if you'll go follow Rachel on Twitter. Say I sent you. Tell her uh, how much you enjoy her. And if you guys want to support her, that's supporting me too because that helps me out. Uh, a rising tide uh, lifts all ships. So Rachel, anything else you want to say before we say goodnight? Just thank you so much for having me on. It was super fun. I've been looking forward to this since since you invited me because I knew we were going to have a great time. So and we're doing it again. We're doing it again. We're going to do it maybe in two weeks or something. We'll have the propaganda report with the, the one, the only Rachel Wilson. Thank you so much, Alex. You're the best. See you. Say bye. Bye. Bye, guys.